Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Go back to Romans 12. We're on part 5 of thinking like God thinks. I really want to try to emphasize and challenge you today that I will assure you there's still areas in our life we need to work on changing the way we think. If we think like God thinks, the Bible's clear. We can live like God lives. One of the ways you can recognize what you're thinking is to how you're living, actions you take. I have some challenging questions for you just from the very get-go this morning. When you look at your spouse, what do you think of them? How do you think of them? What about your kids? What about your job? Or your business? What about people you don't like? What do you think about them? Come on, church. What have you been thinking about this week while your pastor was gone? What do you think about church? What do you think about church, by the way? What do you think about it? A lot of people think, well, it's no big deal. You know, it's optional. It doesn't matter if I go or not. It's not what God said. It's not what Jesus thought. No. Every time, quote, unquote, on the day of the Sabbath when the synagogue was open, the Bible says in Luke 4.13, guess where he was? In God's house. What do you think about church? What do you think about the Bible? What do you think about God? I don't know. Just asking. Really, you've got to start thinking about what you're thinking about. And the truth is, and we'll get more into this next week, a lot of this comes down to your focus in life, what you're really focused on. But thank God we can think like God thinks. And therefore, as you're about to see, live like God lives. Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world. So I shouldn't be thinking at all like the people of the world do. I should not in any way, shape, or form be consistently thinking in line with the way the world thinks. doesn't mean thoughts don't come. I just shouldn't be taking them, meditating on them, and thinking that way. So again, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Say transform. So don't tell me you can't be transformed and live like God. You can. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove, become living proof. What is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? How many want that for your life? Is there anybody here today that would say, I want to live like God lives? Well, guess what you got to do? Think like God thinks. Not once in a while. You got to develop the habit of doing it all the time. And you can. So to not be conformed to the world, to be transformed takes what? Renewing of the mind, which means what? God changed the way I think. Tell your neighbor, I got to keep working on me to change the way I think. Go to Ephesians 4. Come on, go back over to Ephesians chapter 4 with me. Ephesians chapter 4 gets a little more definitive about this. And then we'll go over some key points we've already touched on. We're going to zero back in on the one I mentioned to you last Sunday morning because, of course, most of you know that have been in our church on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, we're doing what we call our last day survival guide. And we're teaching out of an aspect of a uh, ministry school Dr. Barclay developed. I'm kind of revamping those teachings for us of known as advanced survival techniques, what it takes to live in the last days. We're going to get back in that tonight. Amen? Oh, man, tonight's going to be good. You know what tonight's on? Charging your battery. Charging your battery. 
Well, Sunday mornings, we kind of take a separate direction to talk about these things that will help us in living out our lives on a constant basis daily for Christ. Again, we know and clearly see in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, that this is exactly what Paul's addressing here, as he talked about in Romans 12, 2, renewing the mind. Here he goes into detail about it. So Romans 12, 2 just tells us we need to do it. doesn't really tell us what all we need to renew our minds to there or what we need to obviously know to actually make that happen. But here we get some definitive direction on how to do that. Ephesians 4, 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. So let's combine that with Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the world. Who is it that lives like the world? Gentiles. Why? They don't know God. The phrase... Gentiles just means they don't know God. Tell your neighbor, I know God. So what does that mean? You shouldn't look anything or sound anything like a Gentile. Like one who doesn't know God. You shouldn't be frustrated about what's going on. Might frustrate you, but you shouldn't allow it to get, get you frustrated. Might frustrate your flesh. I don't get happy when I pull up to a pump and it's five something for diesel and pump my gas. But you know how to remind myself? I'm not going to think like that because Jesus, if Jesus was living today, you know, obviously... Uh, you know, he didn't have to fuel a vehicle. But if Jesus was living today, he wouldn't stop and say, okay, boys, let's fuel the vehicle and look at the gas pump and say, man, would you look at those prices? Do you think he would think that way? I'm serious. Do you think God would think that way? you think that's what God would think? God who owns everything all on the whole planet would look at the gas pump and say, man, I can't believe gas prices. Can you? Why do we do it? We haven't renewed our mind well enough. Go ahead, tell your neighbor. He's already preaching better than your amen, and he's already. See, I'm trying to get you to live like God lives. God's trying to get you to live like God lives. So when think of it, if Jesus looked at that pump, you know what he would say? Thank God my God supplies all my needs. Thank God I have all of heaven's resources available to me. That my God will make sure I got the gas I need to get where I need to go. Take all these crazy 12 disciples with me and get the job done in Jesus' name. That's what he'd have thought. Seriously. You listening? When Jesus needed a vehicle to ride into town, he didn't say, oh my God, where are we going to get one? You know what God did? Literally, you know what God did? God already spoke to a man about it. How do you know? Because Jesus had talked to the Father. The Father said, I've already prepared one for you. You tell your disciples, go into town, they're going to find a donkey, a colt, never been ridden. You know what that means? Brand new, baby. Come on, this ain't a used car. Nothing wrong with used cars. Don't get upset. But this ain't a used car. No, I'm serious. Nobody's ever been on it before. Nobody's ever rode it before. People are like, well, Jesus wouldn't, he wouldn't buy a new Cadillac. You kidding me? He rode a brand new donkey. He rode a donkey nobody ever rode before. I'm serious. Nobody ever been on it. You listening? They didn't have to clean the upholstery. They had to get the bad smell out from the smoker that had it before. No, it's a brand new vehicle. And God prepared it. God told Jesus to tell his disciples where to find it. Go in town. You're going to find a a, a donkey, a colt tied. And you just go up there and take it. Do what? Just go up there and take it. Now, don't be going to a car dealership. Come on. Say, give me that fob. You're going to say, fob today. No keys. Give me that fob. I'm driving that vehicle off the lot. God told me it's mine. Well, God better have told them. Because God already told this owner. You listening? 
So he said, you go un unloose it, you bring it here. And if the, if the owner says, what are, you have, what are you doing? You just say, the Lord has need of it. And they did. And the guy did. What are you doing? Oh, the Lord has need of it. Oh, okay. Well, guess what? The father already talked to him. I said the father already talked. How did he know? The father talked to him. We had somebody listening to God. We have far less Christians getting blessed the way they should because most Christians don't hear from God. I'll just let that sit on you for lunchtime. But if we hear from God, we obey God, do what God tells us to do. Amen. So understand that very clearly he tells us in verse 17, we're not supposed to live like those who don't know God. We're all, you and I are now created on a whole new higher level. Whole new higher level. I love what pastor says. We're not mere humans. You know why Pastor Barclay says that? Because the Bible says you're not a mere human. Why are you living like one? I don't know if I got your attention yet or not. Why are we living like mere humans? We're not one. Bible said so. You're not a mere human. Before you're born again, you're a mere human. You don't have the presence of God living in you. You're not, quote unquote, made in the image and likeness of God. You're not one spirit with the Lord. Come on. You're not a new creation in Christ. But the moment you got born again, you're no longer a mere human. Turn to somebody behind you because they need to hear from you today and just say, you know what? I'm not a mere human and neither are you. So why are we living like one? I'll tell you why. We haven't changed our thinking. We're still thinking like mere humans. We see obstacles. We think like a mere human. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how we're going to do that. I don't know how we're ever going to get through that. Honey, what are we going to do? I just don't know what we're going to do. You know what we're going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. Acting like we don't have any knowledge at all. That we don't have any understanding of what to do. Well, I don't. You're kidding me. You have the mind of Christ. So you're not thinking like God thinks. When you look at a situation and say, I don't know what to do, you just lied. Because your spirit does know what to do. You're just not listening to the right guy. You're just listening to your old nature. See, some of you are already looking at me like that calf looking at the new gate. I don't think that's Bible. I don't know how. Are you kidding me? The Holy Spirit lives in you. You know what the Bible said? You know one of the reasons that God said he gave you the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you why. Ready? To reveal to you all things that have been given to you. He's trying to reveal stuff to you. So any obstacle I face, God doesn't already know I face, I'm going to face it. Oh, he knew before you ever got there. God doesn't know how to overcome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But guess what? The only reason you don't is because you're not thinking right. Amen. No, I'm going to wait. You're not thinking like God does. God, Jesus didn't come up to any kind of challenge, even the cross. Oh, my gosh, guys. I don't know what we're going to do about this one. <laughs> This is the biggest challenge I've ever faced. I really don't know what I'm going to do. No, God told him before he ever even got there. Come on, somebody. So no matter what you look at life, if you'll renew your mind and do what I'm teaching in the Bible, what the Word of God says and think like God, you'll walk up to that situation. You'll already start hearing from God. You already know what God thinks about it. Well, I got the mind of Christ. I'm not hearing it from my brain. I'm hearing it from my spirit, man. Now, that's just one verse, and I cannot preach that long on the rest of these, or we're never going to get anywhere today. So notice this, we're, we got to recognize this. You should, verse 17, say, I should. You should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. In the futility, futility of their mind. Futility means devoid of. Devoid of. Devoid of what here? Futility of their mind means they're devoid of truth. You look it up in the Greek, it actually says that. The reason they don't walk in the light of these things is because they're devoid of truth. What's the truth? God's word. 
Now see, a, a, a sinner person could read the Bible, but it will not still become revelation to them. This is not mind over matter. This is revelation from the Word of God. You can't think like God if you're not born again. But if you're born again, you can. Because you're a new creation. 18, notice they, those who don't know God, have their understanding darkened. They don't understand these things because they don't have a new born again spirit. Notice they're alienated from the life of God. Once again, not born again. But not, that's not you. This is because of the ignorance that's in them. Why would Christians, be, or excuse me, why would sinners be ignorant of what it is that God's done for them? Why would they be ignorant? I'm going to tell you why. Because somebody hadn't told them. You understand there's a difference between ignorance and stupidity? I told you this many, many times. Don't ever call somebody stupid. Turn your neighbor and say, I'll never call you stupid again. I'll never do it. Now they might, listen, they might be stupid at times. We all have been. Stupid means I know what to do, but I choose not to do it. That's stupid. But ignorance means I don't know. See, the only reason they're ignorant is because guess what? They haven't been told. Somebody hasn't told them about this life in Christ yet. Most of the cases. So again, they're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Blindness of what? Their heart. Their heart's not born again. But that's not you if you're born again. 19, who being past feeling, going beyond even what their natural feelings tell them, they've given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. So in other words, that's not how I'm supposed to live. If I'm born again and I've sat in a church that's been taught the Word of God and learned what the Bible teaches about who I am and how I'm to live, I can't sit here and claim ignorance. Right? If I've been taught the Word, I can't claim ignorance. If you do, you're lying, and you've got to really claim stupidity because you chose not to walk in the light of what you've been given. 21, notice, but if you have heard Him, heard of Jesus, been born again, and then been what? Taught by Him. Two separate things. To hear of him means I've been born again. I know salvation. But I also now to be what? I've got to be taught by him. He's the word. That's what your pastor does. If you have a good pastor, all he's going to do is just keep quoting scripture after scripture after scripture and bringing you the word. And enlighten you of the original language, what's actually being said. So if you've heard and been taught by him, the truth is clearly what? In Jesus. Well, if the truth is in you, you could draw a little arrow from that back up to verse 17. You're not devoid of the truth. Sinners are. They walk in this because of the futility of their mind, devoid of truth. But if you're taught the truth, you're not devoid of it. 22, that you're to do what? Put off. Say put off. You're supposed to put off concerning your former conduct. Underline that please. Former conduct. You don't put off the new man. You're putting off the former conduct. The actions of. You listening? When we say we got to die to self, we need to be really careful with that statement. Really careful. Now, Paul did say, I die daily. But what was he really dying to? The conduct of. The old way of thinking. Because I'm no longer carnal. I'm no longer a mere human. I'm now a child of God. I'm now a son of God. I am now born from heaven. I'm now seated in a place of authority above all principality, power, might, dominion. I'm more than a conqueror. So when it talks about putting off here, dying to self means we die to the old selfish nature. You don't want to die to the real you. The real you is the guy you're trying to let shine forth and shine through. Amen? So we put off concerning our former conduct this old man. 
old man, that old man, no longer around. The context of the spirit being is still obviously an issue of the flesh to deal with. But we put off that conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. How do we do that, Pastor? Verse 23 tells you, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So here Paul gives us the insight of what this renewal of the mind is all about. And I'll quote verse 24 before I go back to 23. So that you then put on the new man. What am I doing by renewing myself in the spirit of my mind? I'm putting on the new man. On the outside. He's already there. But I'm putting on. It's like the reason put off, put on. So it's like a coat, you know, a jacket. You know, don't take your clothes off. I'll tell you never, don't take your clothes off right now. Don't do that. But it's like you took something off and you put something on. That's what he's saying. You had something nasty, dirty. You take that off. There's a new guy on the inside. Let him shine forth. And now you're going to put on this new God-man. Renewing the mind is all about putting on the God-man. The real you. It's about letting the new God-man come out. If you don't think you're a God-man, why does the Bible say you're one spirit with the Lord? You're not God. He is. But you're a God-like one. You're like Him. You're made of His very nature, his very, uh, his very DNA. How do you know? Next verse tells you. Verse 24, you put on the new man which was created according to God. Excuse me? Who created the new man? God did. Well, if God created him, did He create him at all carnal? No, He's just like Him. Oh, I wish we'd wake up to that. You put on this new man, notice, which was created. You don't create him. He's already created. He's on the inside of you. You put him on. You put him on. You put on the new man who was created, notice again, according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. See, you'll never, holiness just simply means I live set apart from the world. I don't want to continue to walk in the ways of the world. Why would I get, why would I get born again and want to continue to, to smoke and drink and get, you know, and drug and, and cuss and, and do all the nasty things I did as a sinner that hurt my life? Why would I want to do that now that I'm born again? What would be the purpose of coming out of that life to come into this life to keep living that old way? But see, the world, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, is under the context of the God of this world. It's system and that's Satan. And so I want you to get this daily. Guess what's pulling on you every single day, believer? Guess what's pulling? The world is trying to pull you out away from who you really are. The world is conditioned to make you think worldly. So why do you care what the world thinks? Why do you care what a sinner thinks about you? Really? You're afraid to go up and witness to somebody because you're afraid what they think about you? They're a sinner. Why do you care what they think about you? You listening? Uh, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying be rude. or That's not what I'm talking about. But why would I care what a believer thinks about me? I already know what God thinks about me, and that's all I need to know. Amen. And I'm talking about the guy on the inside. I'm talking about the new man. God's in love with that new man. You listening? God's in love with all those yet not born again, trying to get them born again so he can put that new man within them. So you put on this new man, which was created by God, that's already righteous, totally right in the sight of God, and holy, set apart from the world. How do I put him on? Back to verse 23. you got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Number one. Let me go over these key points with you again. Number one, you put off the old man by seeing the image of the new. How do you put off the old man? you got to see the image of the new man. you got to see that picture of him. That image of him, who God says you are. That's what verse 23 is saying. The phrase to be renewed in the spirit of your mind means I'm renewed in my mind to the fact I'm now a spirit being. You always, actually you always have been. 
You're being renewed in your mind the fact you're a spirit being. Even sinners don't believe they're spirits. Some might say, well, I'm a soul. No, you're not. You have a soul. But you're not a soul. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Then, of course, you don't believe God because God tells us we're a spirit being. All spirit, by the way, which is cool to understand, right? Every single person birthed into this earth has to have a spirit living inside that body or that body would not function. Where did that spirit come from? It didn't come from the devil. All spirits come from the Father above. The moment that child's born, this is why kids are far more receptive to spiritual things than God. Because guess what? That spirit's not dead when they first get birthed into the earth. That, that spirit's alive to God. That came from God. God has no evil spirit to give it. Now, right? But Romans 7 tells you when a person comes to the knowledge of sin. See, that fleshly nature is going to get them sooner or later, right? The old fleshly context, the damning nature of the body, of the world, the pull of the soul. It's going to get them sooner or later. They're going to do something that's going to violate God's word. And when they do, the Bible says they die. When they know, when they come to the knowledge of sin, I'm just quoting Romans 7 to you. Paul said it. He said, listen, man. He said, I was alive once. He's talking about before being born again. I was alive once? Well, you're alive now, Paul. You're sitting here writing this letter. No, no, no. He's talking about spiritually. I was alive once before I had knowledge of sin. But when the commandment came, Ten Commandments, guess what? Sin revived. Oh, sin revived. And I died. Sin revived where? In his spirit man. The minute he came to the knowledge of sin, he died spiritually. Once he had committed sin. So realize, thank God, every child that ever has been born on this planet, sad to say, who did not get to live out the full life God wanted for them, they didn't go to hell. Those spirits are from God. It would be an unjust God to send anybody to such a damnation without giving them the opportunity of salvation. But here's what I want you to understand. You are a spirit. Say it, I am a spirit. You have a soul, say, I have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and I live in a body. What's your, what's your body? It's an earth suit. If we, we send astronauts up in space, you know, and they go, like, you know, think about the, the very first, you know, moon landing. I'll never forget watching it as a kid. Anybody remember watching it as a kid? When, they, you know, it almost looked like they were just kind of like really funny looking little, you know, the way they were moving up there. And, you know, step down on, you know, one small step for... Man, one giant step for mankind. Look what we achieved, right? But you know what? If they'd have taken off that spacesuit, guess what? They'd have ceased to exist. If you put off this body, guess what you do? You don't cease to exist. Guess guess what? You you actually go somewhere. Let me back up. They cease to function. If you take off this earth suit, you cease to function in this earth because as a spirit, you're going somewhere. Your body's nothing more than an earth suit. It's what allows you to stay in this planet. To live in this planet. You listening? So I want you to get this again. Verse 23, you're to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What am I to renew my mind to, Pastor? The new you. I am a spirit. I'm a spirit. And if you're a born again child of God, guess what? You've been made just like God. So here's something significant. We'll touch on this a little more next week. Here's something significant. If I'm going to think like God, what is God? He's not a body. What is God? He's a spirit. Yes, Jesus came, lived in a body, but he's not a body. He's a spirit. God's not a body. He's a spirit. He's a person. And he's a spirit. You're a person. You're a spirit. So guess what I got to do? I got to start thinking of God to think like God. If I think of God, how do I see God? He's a spirit. Just like me. 
And if I do that, I'll start thinking like God. A lot of people don't think of God. They think of other things all through the day. Their focus is wrong. You listening? See, I'm sitting in a service. Pastor's talking. This is what's so cool about the Word of God and how God works. Pastor's talking. He's talking about being spiritual. This is his primary focus, the whole conference. What that means. We'll talk a little bit about that tonight. He's talking about being spiritual. He's talking about being spiritual. The Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, because he knows what I'm teaching you. See, if I wouldn't have been there, I wouldn't have heard it then. I might have heard it some other time. But I'm sitting there listening, and the Holy Spirit says, part of the problem, son, of why your church doesn't think like me is because they don't think about me. I mean, they wrote that down. (laughs) To think like God, we've got to think about God. What are you thinking about? Thinking about lunch right now? Because you are, you're not thinking like God thinks. Jesus didn't sit there in times of the service and the sin. Are you kidding me? Man, you guys hungry or what? Wish this priest up here would get done. So we go eat. I'm getting hungry. You getting hungry? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Peter, stop falling asleep. Quit being so tired. Wake up, boy. Come on, pay attention. But I sure am getting hungry. I'd sure like to get out of here. He's sure going long today. Man, he don't normally go this long. You ever notice him going this long? No. Nope. Look at my little sundial there. Not the window. Yeah, I preaching on. But see, he didn't think like that. No. No. I said he didn't think like that. You know why? He's thinking of, he's thinking of God. You know why a lot of Christians don't think like God? They don't think of God. They think of themselves. They think of other stuff. I'll let that sit on you. We'll get on that next week. <clears throat> but to think like God, you got to do what? you got to see yourself the way God knows and sees you. You're a spirit. Say, I'm a spirit. Being renewed to the spirit of your mind means you got to renew your mind to the fact you are a spirit being. That's the new image. <clears throat> That's number one. got to put off the old man by seeing the new. Well, you do that by going to the Bible. And seeing this new man who God created inside you and who you really are. Number two, as you do that, we talked about this out of James 1. I don't have time to go back there. So for the word to have that kind of an impact on my life, for me to see myself as a spirit man, do I just read the Bible? No. Do I just hear it preach? No. Do I read it? Yes. Do I hear it preach? Yes. But do I just read the Bible? No. Do I just hear it preach? No. James says you got to receive it, point number two, with meekness. So you got to receive the Word of God with meekness or it will have no impact in your life. None. James 1 very clearly says that you and I must receive the Word of God with meekness. What's that mean? You stop reasoning out the Bible. You don't reason it out. Meekness means I receive it with absolute humility, meaning... I don't see myself any higher than God says I am. Wait a minute, but I don't see myself any lower. You know where most Christians are? Lower. They see themselves as a fleshly being, so they're seeing themselves lower. What, oh, this is powerful. This is powerful. See, I love to preach because the Holy Spirit speaks to me the whole time I'm preaching. That's what I love about God because God interruption messes you up, you know, and takes all the hours you spent preparing and says, no, I want you to say that, I want you to say this. Okay. But you got to prepare. So listen. This is so powerful. You got to understand that to, to recognize yourself as a spirit being, you got to recognize that every time I see myself only as a carnal being, I'm going to live below where God wants me to live. When I see myself as a spirit being, I'm now going to rise up and live in the higher life God called for me to live. So the kind of life you're living is based on how you're seeing yourself. If you see yourself as a spirit being the way God sees you, receive the word of God with meekness. Guess what you don't do? You don't see yourself in a carnal fleshly uh, uh, way. You're not looking at your body. You're not looking at your soul, your emotions, your will, 
Come on. You're reasoning. You're not reasoning out the Bible. You don't get revelation from the Bible reasoning it out. I got to get there before the next 30 minutes is up. You got to understand reasoning is going to hinder your ability to see who you are. You should write that down and, and, and really meditate on that statement. Reasoning will hinder me in seeing whom I really, who I really am. Reasoning means in your mind, you're just looking at what God said with your mind only. And you're just reasoning out. Could that really be true? Could that be, that's what I mean by reasoning. You're examining it from a human perspective. How many times did Jesus tell his disciples, why are you reasoning among yourselves? Why? 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 You know what he was saying? Stop doing this, boys. He fed 5,000 miraculously. Right? Handful of fish, couple of loaves. Man, 5,000. The disciples got to watch it and be a part of it. Imagine being the guys with the baskets. Come on. He didn't, he didn't give thanks to God for that food and then woof. You know, a, a hundreds of baskets showed up with food. Now they still have the same too. Well, they didn't overflow. You kidding me? Could you see them trying to carry them for 5,000 people? Here, I got enough loaves for all 5,000 of you. Just wait till I get around there. No, it didn't look like there was any more in the basket because there wasn't yet. The miracle wasn't manifesting it ahead of time. The miracle was believing it was already so before you ever saw it. Now, I guarantee you what your little reasoning brain tells you when Jesus now has given thanks for what little bit you got and you got 5,000 plus people sitting at her to be fed and Jesus says, now go feed him. What? <laughs> wow, we're going to have to break this up. You think communion on us are small. <laughs> break this up. Really small. But you know what? You can't, you just got to go let them have, and, and when you walk to the first person, you know, and the first person probably started, you probably didn't see the miracle. Man, could you see what he's breaking off, the loaves of bread for his family? Whoa, dude. Come on, you got to leave some, man. We got 5,000 more people here to feed. Come on. That's what, you got to know that's what's going through their mind. Come on, be practical in the sense of just understanding the story. Right? right? So that guy gets what he's needing, and he's like, oh, gosh, here we go. So he walks over to the next guy, and when the guy reaches in, whoa, where'd that bread show up from? Hey, wonder if it'll happen again. I'm going to the next guy. <laughs> whoa, yeah, see, there's plenty in there. Just get what you need, man. Come on. After he fed those people, 5,000 plus, and they watched the miracle, they get on the boat to go back to the other side. And you know what the disciples did in the midst of all that feeding frenzy? They forgot to bring bread. They were charged of keeping, you know, making sure we got bread for the trip. You know, you couldn't find a McDonald's on every corner. Not like I'd maybe really want one today, but you know what I'm saying, a Taco Bell or whatever. Couldn't find one. So they were responsible to bring bread. Now, don't you think Jesus being the master, God Almighty, if, if the concern was really we got to make sure we got bread with us, don't you think he'd have turned around and said, wait a minute, boys, you forgot the bread. Get the bread before we get on the boat. He didn't say a word. No. He gets on the boat. Right. They're going across. And what are they actually doing? They're reasoning. Yeah. They're reasoning in mind. Oh, 
Peter, did you bring the bread? No, man, I forgot. I was too busy cleaning up, you know, getting that stuff back to that little boy. What was, you know, 12 baskets left over, and I'm still trying to figure all this out. You know, I'm, no, I didn't, James, no, nope, nope, nope. I was dealing with these people over here, you know, trying to keep them. No, how about you, Matthew? No, I forgot, man. They all forgot. Yeah. I mean, they're going through this on the boat. That's what they're doing. Jesus says, why are you reasoning among yourselves about bread? Because he started talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. Right. About the teachings of the Pharisees. And he said, you're thinking about bread? Yeah. Right. You know why he said that? Did you not just notice what I just did back there? Yes. Wait a minute. You're, you're concerned. You're upset because we forgot to bring bread. But didn't I just supernaturally feed five? And you're worried about having bread? Christians do this all the time with God. They hear stories, they read stories, sometimes experience things in their lives. And yet, another situation comes up, and what do they do? They go to reasoning. Reasoning will destroy your ability to walk in who you are as a child of God. Reasoning doesn't bring revelation of the Word. Your Holy Spirit gets a hold of it. And it changes what your brain thinks about it. Are you still here? So you got to get renewed to the fact I'm a spirit being. Number two, we got to receive that word with meekness. So guess what we don't do? We don't reason it out. Here's how you do that. I already told you this last week. Two things. How do I, pastor, I can't go back to these verses. I'm sorry. I'm just going over these points. How do I receive the word of God with meekness? Two ways. Two ways on that point. So you go like 2A and B. All right, 2A. First way, you accept everything the word word of God says about you. Whatever the Bible says you are as a new child of God, that's what you say. God said, I am one with him. I'm one with him. I don't feel like it. Don't matter. Stop the reasoning. Stop the reasoning. God said, I've already overcome the world. Not me. Wrong. God said. Stop the reasoning. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God said, by his stripes, I'm healed. Why do you keep talking about all your body problems? Your reasoning. I'm trying to help you. If you think like God, you'll walk like God. See, if all you do is talk about all the pain and aches and problems in your body, you're not thinking like God. You can't find a place where Jesus walked around talking about aches and pains in the body, nor are the disciples in relationship to understanding who they were after being born again. Because the Bible says by his stripes, maybe one day you could just possibly be healed. No, I said you are. What do you do? You start thinking like God said. God said, I'm healed. Guess what I say? Guess what I think? See, you don't go to the reasoning. You go to what God said. So one, I got to accept everything that the Bible says I am. And the second little caveat to that to be is I got to accept everything that the Bible says I can do. Whatever God says I can do, I can do it. I can speak to the mountain. I command it to move. Oh, no, well, a word for me. See, there you go. You're reasoning again. God said, God said, speak to the mountain. If God said I can speak to the mountain in the name of Jesus, guess what I can do? I ain't getting very many good amens today. If God said I could speak to the mountain, command the mountain to move, guess what I can do? If God said I can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, guess what I can do? If God said I can cast out demons, guess what I can do? See, people start reasoning this stuff out. See, the, the moment you go to reason based on what you know the Word says, listen to this statement carefully. The moment you go to reason based on what you know the Word says, you're not receiving it with meekness. Because meekness means I accept what God said. Now, I gave you an absolute statement on this last week, and I'll say it again. This is the way to look at it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. No argument. No reasoning. God said that's what I am. Hey, that's what I am. Well, you don't look like it. Well, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at the guy on the outside. You can't see my guy on the inside. 
It's like I can't see the guy on the inside of you. Like a better amen. amen. Why would you again care what anybody else sees? What does God see? You need to start seeing what God sees. Come on, somebody. And if God said I can do it, I can do it. If God said I can be a husband, I can be a husband. Well, I don't know. You know the wife I got? Oh, see, there you go again. You, you're going to reasoning. Let's go talk to your wife. Yeah, you ought to see the husband I got. So <laughs> don't get into all that stuff. Come on, man. I said, come on. You got to say, I can do what God said I can do. If God said as a man, I can love my wife like Christ loves the church, no matter how she lives, guess what I can do? I can love my wife like Christ loves the church. If God said, I as a wife can submit to my husband as unto the Lord, guess what I can do? Even if he doesn't obey the word, guess what I can do? I can submit to him as unto the Lord. I can but see, you've got to take God at his word. Number three, in doing so then, you not only take him at his word, but James goes on to say in that same chapter that you've got to become what? Number three, a doer of the word. So I've got to receive the word with meekness or I won't ever, ever even allow it to enter into my heart. If you don't receive the word of God with meekness, oh, this is so powerful. If you don't receive the word of God with meekness, it'll never get in your heart. It'll never get planted in the part of you that has the ability to bring it to pass. It'll never get there. The reason most Christians never get to experience what the Word has for their life is because the reasoning is you digging the seed up and never allowing it to get into your heart to begin with. But once it gets in your heart, you got to do it. You can't just believe it. you got to act on it. Because James says a doer of the Word is blessed. Well, what's a doer of the Word? They're being transformed into a whole new lifestyle, baby. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. Now, Kathy kept me on those verses a little longer than I meant to be. No, she didn't do that. I'm sorry. Philippians chapter 4, quickly. Philippians 4, verse 8. Paul writing to the Philippian church, talking about dealing with the mind again, gives us another key, gives us another nugget. Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, <clears throat> I was thinking about this the other day, relationship to this message. Friday afternoon, we were back at our room. I was meditating on these verses and praying about my message and talking to God, and I keep looking at this verse. And I kept thinking, yeah, Lord, that's everything you are, true. Noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous, praiseworthy. i got to meditate on that. got to meditate on who you are. But God said when it comes to renewing your mind, he said, you're all those things, son. You need to start med- meditating on who you are. If you're born again, your spirit's what? True. If you're born again, your spirit's what? Noble. Your, your spirit couldn't be noble and true and perfect and have the Holy Spirit living in it. Not possible. Holy Spirit can't live inside your spirit if there's obviously a spirit that's been still compromised and in some way is not fully holy and set apart to God. Did we not just read in the book of Ephesians that God made you completely righteous and holy? Yeah. So you're all these things right here. If you're truly righteous and holy, you're true. 
Your spirit's true. Your spirit's noble. Your spirit's just. Your spirit's pure. Your spirit's lovely. Guess what's on the inside of you? A lovely person. Put a big smile on your face. Come on, do it. Big smile on your face. Some of you just been frowning all morning long. I don't know why. I guess my message is really upsetting you. Put a big smile on your face. Turn to somebody next to you. I'm really lovely on the inside. I really am. <laughs> Maybe you're not putting that man on yet, but it's in there. Can you see this? See, when you start looking at the new image, you got to realize that's me. I'm lovely. I'm of a good report. God has a good report of you. God speaks of a good report of you. Once you're born again, God said, I got a good report about that one right there. Because he's looking at the inside. He said, guess what? You're also virtuous. Everything that's virtuous that has any form of virtue to it in the sight of God, that's your spirit. It's praiseworthy. It will bring praise to God. Your spirit will bring praise to God. Now, wait a minute. What did he just tell you to do? Underline it. Meditate on these things. Why? I want you to get this. Number four, you got to meditate on God's truth, I said, but I'm going to add something to that because the Holy Spirit added something to that when I was in Amarillo. You got to meditate on God's truth. What, are you ready? Are you ready? How about you? You got to meditate on God's truth about you because what are you trying to see? The new man. You're trying to get a picture of that new man in your mind. You're trying to get a focus of that new man in your mind of who this new man is. So you got to meditate on the truth of God's word about who? About you. This is how you reprogram your mind. Right. See, when, you're, when your mind says, I'm mean, no, nope, you need to reprogram that. Right. You listen? Uh-huh. Yes. I have a nasty temper. No, you don't. Yes. Ain't nothing about your spirit has a nasty temper. You need to reprogram that. Well, I, I'm fearful. No, you're not. There ain't no fear in your spirit, man. So you need to reprogram that. You listening? Well, I'm this, I'm that. I'm, no, you're talking about that old nature. You need to reprogram that. Say reprogram. So that part of the program of your mind's got to be changed. How do you reprogram it? There's only one way. Meditating. Meditating on who God says you are. Meditating means you go find these things about who the Word of God says you are. And guess what you got to start thinking about throughout your day? You're thinking about stuff, whether you think, it or, whether you, think you are or not, you are. Guess what you need to do deliberately? You need to start thinking about who you are. <clears throat> this is how Brother Hagen saw what was in him put on his life. I'm going to take you the most famous verse he quoted all the time. But he did it so much that he thought about it all the time. He meditated it all the time. He told everybody about it all the time. And that new person came out. Because he began to see who was really in there. Can I get a better amen? So number four, you got to meditate on God's truths about who? About you. Go to Galatians 2. Let me just give you one. And I'll prove it to you. That what I'm talking about is significant for me and you to learn. I've said it many times in this church. And I know people still don't get it. I want to ask you a question. Please don't answer. Tell your neighbor. Keep your mouth shut. I'm going to ask a question. I normally say, hey, that requires a response. Because usually when you ask a question, you get a response. So I'm telling you up front, I don't want a response to this question. Okay. Amen? Amen? So I'm preparing you ahead of time. Don't say a word. Don't say nothing. You ready? You ready? Do you get cold? Don't answer that. Do you get cold? Do you get hungry? Do you get tired? Let me help you. All three of those things? No. You do not. Your spirit never gets hungry. Your spirit never gets cold. Your spirit never gets tired. There's no proof of that in all the Bible. What gets cold? Your body does. 
Don't think this is insignificant. Don't think we're splitting hairs. I'm going to prove it to you from the Bible. Do you get hungry? Your spirit does not get hungry. Your spirit doesn't need food to survive. Your body does. Imagine how many times in a day. I'm going to tell you why we don't think like God. Because we're always using our mouth to talk about the old man. We're always doing it. You know why? That's what we're thinking about. Well, I'm hungry. You hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry too. Well, let's go get something to eat. Well, is it wrong to say that? I think it is to the degree that all you do is focus on the old outer nature. I'm cold. You cold? Yeah, well, why don't we turn the heat on? Are you hot? Yeah, I'm hot. Well, turn the fans on, you know. I love what Pastor said in one of his meetings. Context of what I've heard him say before. It's true. Thank God I never did this. Thank God I never did this. He said one time his church, he took a survey. Handed out to all the church family. Asked some different questions. And the last thing was, tell me something you like or, excuse me, tell me something that's hindering you in receiving from God in this church. Amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Ready? 50%. It's too cold in this church, Pastor. You need to turn the heat up. Other 50%. It's too hot in this church, Pastor. You need to turn the air down. Serious? 50%. The music's too quiet. Come on, we need a little more, you know, lively. So we need to get a little. 50% is too loud. You need to turn this thing down, man. That drummer's going crazy up there. You need to turn that down. 50 50 split. You know why? They're going by their flesh. I love something Pastor said. And this meeting, I heard him say many, many times. He's had people come up and say, well, you know, Pastor, I'll put it in our context. If you just talk to Matt about these songs he's doing, I don't know what he's doing. Why is he doing these songs? He needs to do some different songs. It really does need to do some different songs. I don't like any of these songs. Oh, well, I didn't know we were supposed to have Matt call you before the service because we're worshiping you to find out what song you wanted him to sing. But, darling, we didn't plan the worship for you. We planned it for him. And as long as it's giving glory to him, see, your likes or dislikes are all about your flesh again. Your spirit will worship to anything. I don't think anybody in heaven's going to go up. You think this? <laughs> Come on, man. The angels in heaven. You get into heaven and they're worshiping Jesus. You say, hey, Jesus, who's the worship leader up here? Tell them I don't like that song. We need a different song. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Everybody's going to be on their face before Jesus enjoying the worship. Well, you can do that here. I knew I'd get some amens out of Matt on that. So you got to understand something, folks. You've you got to quit looking at yourself in the first person as a physical or soulish being. You're not. You're a spirit being. And when you say I, you need to make sure that's tied to who you really are. I, the spirit being. That's what the disciples did. They learned it. That's what Brother Hagin did. Go read all of these uh, writings from Romans to Revelation. You won't Paul ever say I and relate to his body. You don't ever say you don't ever see Paul saying I'm hungry. No. I'm tired, I'm thirsty. No. You listening? Right. Why? Because he wasn't a body. He's a spirit. How do we know? Look at Galatians 2.20. Notice this. Paul said it. I, I want you to circle, highlight, or underline every single time. You're gonna see it seven times in one verse. That there's a reference to Paul talking of himself in the first person. You ready? I, there's the first one, have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I, there's the second one, who live. But Christ lives where? There's the third one. Christ lives in me. And the life which, there's the fourth one, I now live in the flesh. There's the fifth one. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved. There's the sixth one. 
me, and gave himself for seventh one. Who did he give himself for? Not a soul, not a body, a spirit being. He died for your spirit to be born. He did not die for your soul to be born again. He died for your spirit to be born again. Listen to it again. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Now, if he was not alive, how could he write what he's writing? But he's not lying. He wasn't any longer alive. Who's the I that died? That old spirit man. He's gone. He died. He was crucified with Christ. Come on. But Christ now lives where? Oh, come on. You need to underline that phrase. Christ lives where? The anointed one lives in you. The anointed one lives in you. He couldn't do that if you weren't like him. Where does he live in you at? In your spirit, man. How? By way of the Holy Spirit. And the life. This new life. Which I, I, I now live. The spirit, man. In the flesh. In the body. See, he's not a flesh being. He's not a body being. The flesh includes your soul. He's not a soul. The life that I now live in the flesh. The life that I now live in the flesh. Who's this I that now lives in the flesh? The spirit. This new spirit man. I, the spirit man, live by what? What do I live by? Faith in the Son of God. What's your spirit? Have faith in the Son of God. If you walk in your spirit, guess what you're going to do? You're going to walk with faith in the Son of God. If you walk in your flesh, guess what you're not going to do? Walk with faith in the Son of God. Your flesh has no faith in it, but your spirit does. Notice, who loved me and gave himself for who? Me. Who did he give himself for? Your spirit man. That's what needed to be changed. Can I get a better amen? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Well, that thought in mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So we're still talking about meditating. Meditating, meditating. What do you mean meditate? Take scripture that talks about who you are. This new person. And the Bible said it in the book of Philippians. Now, quit saying here in this church, I'm a doer of the word. And then we just read you're supposed to meditate on these things. And then you don't go meditate on these things. Then you're not a doer of the word. You just say you are. But if you're a doer of the word, you take what the Bible said in the New Testament, book of Philippians, and you meditate on these new things. Who I am. True, noble, just. Come on. Virtuous. Right? I start meditating. So what did God just tell you? Here's how you get the new man to come out. You have strong holds in your thought life. Things that have been rooted so strong in you that you just think that way without even thinking. I mean that. You don't have to intentionally form a thought. It just comes. It's so strong. It's just so rooted in you. But guess how you get rid of those strongholds? Meditating on the Word of God. Meditating reprograms the computer. If you don't meditate on the Word of God, who it says you are, you're going to keep thinking like you always thought. And those strongholds will never go away. And they'll affect how you live because you won't live like God. Look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, there it is again. We walk in the flesh. Who we? Spirit man. You see this all through the Bible. He didn't say we talking about the body or the soul. No, he's talking about your spirit man. We walk in the flesh. We uh, are in a fleshly body. Notice this. But we do not what? War according to the flesh. What does that tell you? You're in a battle zone. There's warfare going on. Whether you're engaged or not, there's a battle for you going on. So we don't war according to fleshly ways. For for the weapons, say I have weapons. Now I want you to see something here, and I'll come back to this next week. The weapons of our warfare, what we fight with. 
what we fight with. They're not carnal. They're not carnal. They're not of the flesh. Watch this. They're mighty in God. They're mighty in God. These weapons are mighty in God. Meaning what? I have a weapon. I have to learn how to use it according to the Bible. If I do, guess what? It's not me that empowers the weapon. God does. God empowers the weapon. David didn't take Goliath out with a stone. David threw the stone. God put his supernatural on that natural stone and David went down. David didn't cut off the head of Goliath with Goliath's own sword under his power. You kidding me? David wasn't big enough to pick up that sword. But the power of God came on him. He took a weapon and the power of God came on him and under the power of God he whacked off David's head. He didn't do that by his strength. See, God's not telling you take the weapons you have and with your own strength try to make it work. No, you take these weapons and you use them the way I told you how they work and now my super gets on that natural and it works. I won't have time to get through all this today. I'll come back back next week on this part. The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. They're mighty in God. What do they do? They'll pull down strongholds. Every stronghold of a wrong thought you have in your life, you'll never pull it down. And this is where God showed me again. He just showed me this last night. I'm sitting at home finishing up my studies last night. We get home and God unpacked and I go to my study and I'm sitting there and the Lord said... Here's one of the biggest problems, son, that you've had with this. God can teach you stuff no matter how long you've been walking with him. He said, you're trying to bring every thought into captivity. You'll never do it. I never told you to bring every thought into captivity. I told you to use the weapons I gave you to bring every thought into captivity. Lord, help me get this across. If you're trying to bring every thought you actually think contrary to God into control, you'll never do it. You do it with the weapon God gave you. The weapon brings it under control. The weapon does it. What gets rid of the stronghold? What brings every thought under control? God's weapons. You listening? When you take the weapon and you begin to use it the way it was intended, guess what brings every single thought under control? The weapon does. You don't do it. If you did it, obviously, therefore, you could claim, you could lay claim to the fact, I did it, praise God, I brought every thought of mine into captivity. Then you didn't need God. No, you need God. I said, you need God. You meditate on this for yourself. It said right here, the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, so it's not my natural man that's going to make this happen. They're mighty in God for pulling down what? What are the weapons God gave us capable of doing? Pulling down... Strong, they're mighty. The power's in the weapon. Mighty means those weapons have power in them. Mighty here refers to one of the, the actual dunamis words that talks about supernatural power. It's talking about the weapon has the power in it. You're not bringing the thought into captivity. The weapon is. All you're doing is picking up the weapon. You pick up the weapon, it destroys the stronghold. It brings every thought into captivity. Just pick up the weapon. Use the weapon. Let the weapon do its work. All you got to do is take the Word of God and meditate on it. The weapon. You don't even have to think about the stronghold you're dealing with. That's the worst thing to do. To think about the stronghold means your mind's on the wrong thing. You grab the weapon. You meditate on what the Word of God says. And guess what happens to the stronghold? It gets brought down. 
What pulls down strongholds? The weapons God gave you, not you. You don't pull them down. We got to pull down. Come on, let's pull down all these strongholds. And you didn't need God. No, the weapon pulls it down. In our modern day military, it's not the actual person's power behind the actual grenade he's launching that's going to cause that, that enemy to be destroyed. It's the power of the weapon. He just has to deploy the weapon. I said all he has to do is deploy the weapon. The power's in the actual weapon. Right. It destroys the enemy. That's right. It brings him under subjection. Yeah. Yes. You listening? Yeah. The power of our soldier didn't bring him under subjection. The power of the weapon they used did. Right. In the military, pastor talked about in the Marines. He said we have what we call show of force. He said one of the ways you win a battle easier than any other way is when obviously you're about to confront an enemy. He said, you know what you do? You launch everything you got at him, man. I mean everything. Everywhere. Show of force, man. And you know what that enemy says? Whoa, these are powerful. Uh, these are very powerful people. Now guess what? It's not the people that's doing it. It's the weapon. It's the weapon. And guess what they do? They come under subjection. We're out of here, buddy. <laughs> We're going somewhere else today. You know what happened with your thoughts? If you just deploy the weapon, I'm done. I'm done thinking this way. I'm going another way. You listening? It's the weapon that's mighty in God. It's the powers in the weapon. What does it do? It pulls down strongholds. And it also what? It casts down arguments, reasonings. Wrong reasonings. It casts them down. See, quit. Oh, gosh. Help me, Lord. You're, you're, you're looking at the wrong thing when you're trying to focus on your reasoning and deal with your reasoning. That's not how you overcome the reasoning. You go to the weapon. You go to this. You get your mind off of your reasoning and you go to this. If God said this about me, I ain't even for a moment going to give reasoning a chance. I'm just going to meditate on this right here and guess what's going to happen? My reasoning is going to get subjected to what God said. Lord, help me preach this. See, the problem is we're not meditating on the Word. And that's why we reason as humans. That's why we always see stuff as a human. Because we're not meditating on the Word enough to reprogram the thinking, to think like God. But the Word has that capability in it. It'll reprogram you if you just meditate on it. What's your part? Don't think about the stronghold. Don't think about what you're dealing with that you need to overcome. What do you think about? What did God say about you? That's what you meditate on. That weapon has the power to do what? Bring that stronghold down and bring every one of those stupid thoughts under subjection to the Word of God. The power's in the weapon. I said the power's in the weapon. What's my part? Meditate. Casting down arguments, that's reasonings, and every high thing that under, underline it exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, the only reason I would allow things to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, you ready? You ready? It's because I'm not meditating on what God says. But if I do, notice this, it'll bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If I'll just do what? Take the weapon. Meditate on it. God's word is living and powerful. I don't have time to get there today. I wish I did. Look at verse 6. And therefore being ready to punish all disobedience when you're... Oh, oh, so if I meditate on the word, what happens? A new man starts rising up and all of a sudden I start putting on the new man which walks in obedience to God's word which fulfills Romans 12 too. My mind's been renewed. My life is now transformed. 
into a whole new way of living. But it'll never happen if you don't meditate on the Word. You know why? Because you will meditate on other things. Meditate just means to think about it. Over and over. What are you thinking about? Come on, it's like we've been talking about for weeks now. You never start thinking about what you're thinking about. Write this verse down. I'm out of time. We'll look at it next week. Jeremiah 23, 29. Write that verse down. 23, 29. You need to understand this about God's word. Jeremiah said, God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23, 29. God said specifically to the prophet Jeremiah, my word's like a fire. Think about that. My word's like a fire. Meaning what? It'll burn up anything that shouldn't be left around. What'll do it? The word will. My word's like a hammer. It's like a hammer. Guess what? It'll smash all these stupid ways of thinking strong. It'll smash them to bits, man. It'll annihilate them. But it won't if you don't take the weapon and use it the way it was intended. But is is it you empowering the weapon that's making it happen? Oh, no, baby. That weapon's got all the power in it it needs. I just deploy it. See, I'm the deployer. How do you deploy the weapon? You meditate on the Word of God, who God says you are. And when you do, guess what it does? It's like a fire. And it's like a hammer. It doesn't, strongholds don't go away easy. But you keep meditating on who God says you are. You keep meditating on what God says about your body. You start meditating on what God says about your mind. You start, come on, man. You start meditating, well, I just can't sleep. No, ridiculous. That's a joke. Your spirit can help your body sleep if you just simply start saying, wait a minute, God said he gives his beloved sleep. I'm his beloved. I have sleep. So you keep getting that, you start meditating on it on, on the context of what the Word says. Guess what that Word does? It's a hammer. Yeah. It's a fire. Burns up that stuff. Yes. Come on, somebody. Yes. The Word itself is the weapons we have. Weapons. Why? Because we don't just have one verse. How many weapons you want? Here you go, man. This is filled with weapons, man. What you got to do is find an area where you obviously are still struggling to walk like God. How do you know where you're not thinking like God? You're not walking like Him. You're not walking like Him. You're not seeing what He would see. You're not doing what He would do. If you're not, you're not thinking like Him. You're still here? How do you treat your spouse? How do you treat your boss? How do you treat your employees? How do you treat people you don't like? How do you deal with traffic? Oh, yeah, I'm working on it. How do you deal with traffic? See, if you think like God thinks, come on. Jesus didn't get on that donkey and say, there's too many people on the road. Get them out. Get them out. Come on. We got to get there quicker. No, man. He just enjoyed the ride. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.